kicking off a new series today called The Game of Life. And here's my goal. Here's my goal. Over the next four weeks, we've picked some of the biggest, crucial, most critical areas of your life. And I want to teach you from God's Word how to win. I, not just want, I don't want you just to win. I want you to win big time in these areas of your life, your spiritual life. Looking at it today, your relational life next week, your physical life, yes, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at your work life, and we're going to help you win and win big time in these areas of your life. Today, I've titled the talk, Missing Jesus. Missing Jesus. This is a real poster of missing children This is from August 2009, and when I look at this, it really does break my heart. When I first saw this earlier in the week, it just gripped my heart because as a parent, I began to think about my kids. I began to think about my four kids, and if one of them went missing, can I be honest with you? If one of my kids went missing, it would wreck my world. It it would mess me up. It, 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 it would, it, it would, I can't even probably fathom and imagine what I would feel inside if one of my precious kids went missing. Can I tell you, as a, as a parent, I love my kids so much, I would do whatever it took to find my kids. I would spend as much money as I had to find my kids. I would spend time, stay up day and night and do whatever it took to find my missing child because my children are that valuable to me that I would do whatever it took to find my missing child. And friends, can I tell you today that some of you are missing Jesus. Some of you are completely missing Jesus in your life. For some of you today, Jesus has never really been a part of your life. He's never been a part. He's never been a priority. You've never given your heart to Christ. You're you're missing Jesus in your life completely. For for, for some of you in this place, yes, you used to be so in love with Christ. You used to live your life to please Jesus. He was a vital part of your life. But for whatever the reason, in an area of your life, you are missing Jesus. He's no longer the top priority. And just like myself, if I was missing my child, I would do whatever it took to find my child. When it comes to your relationship with Christ, you need to do whatever it takes to find Jesus. You need to do whatever it takes to make Jesus the top priority of your life. And what I want to do today is I want to look at a portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through verse 52. And what, this is a, a story when, when Jesus went missing. Joseph and Mary, they, they, they lost Jesus. And I want us to look at this story and just extract some truths from this story that will help us win in the area of our spiritual life. Luke chapter 2 verse 41 says this, Every year, notice that every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, just a boy, just still a a kid, 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. They were missing 
Jesus, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. They went an entire day without knowing Jesus wasn't in their company. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, everybody shout three days. So first they went a day without knowing he was gone. Now they're searching three more days for Jesus. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, notice this. Jesus is missing for four days from his parents. They are looking feverishly for him. They are searching. Can you imagine what a parent is going through looking for their lost child? And now notice verse 48 when his parents found him. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Everybody shout astonished. Can I tell you, if I went missing from my parents and I made the decision to do so, astonished would not be the word used to describe how my parents would have felt. Mad, angry, upset, not, not astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked, Jesus asked. Now, now Jesus didn't grow up in the Cooper home, I can tell. Because in the Cooper home, you just knew. You never answered a question with a question. Ah, you finna get a shoe thrown at you, a brush, huh? Pow! What, boy? I mean, Jesus didn't grow up in my home because you didn't answer a question with, you said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I mean, you, that, Jesus didn't grow up in my home. He says, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I read that and I get mad because Jesus got off easy. Huh? That if that would have been me, it, not, it would not have said Herbert and Sandy, my parents treasured all these things in, her, in their heart. Uh-uh. No, wouldn't have been no treasure. I'm going to tell you that right now. No treasure at all. Then it goes on to say in verse 52, and Jesus grew, and I love how this follows. It, it gives us this verse. I just find it interesting as I analyze this story about Jesus being missing and his parents finding him. And the very next verse says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, stature and in favor with God and men. And I began to think about my life growing up as a kid, and we woke up. That would have said if it would have been my parents and Herbert got beat. He tried to run away and they still whooped him while he was running. And then they grounded him from 12 until he was 16 and he couldn't go nowhere and play his Nintendo. I mean, that's what it would have said. It says, did Jesus just continue to grow? Oh, would there have been no growing in my house? Anybody else grow, to ho grow up in a home like I did? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, Jesus got off easy. And what I want to do from this portion of Scripture is I want us to look at four questions about missing Jesus. Four questions. The first question is this. Where did they lose him? Where did they lose him? Point number one is this. They lost Jesus while being faithful to religious customs. Religious customs. Notice Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. Every year. Everybody shout every year. 
Notice this, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Every year when Jesus was one, when he was two, when he was three, when he was ten, every single year, uh, now he's 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Notice they were faithful to this. And this was a religious custom. This feast of, a pa- of the Passover was a religious custom for the Jewish people to celebrate and to remember how God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, to, to remember how God brought them out. Matter of fact, if you know the story over in Exodus, maybe you're not familiar, this, this story is found in the book of Exodus, that, that, that the children of Israel, they had to put blood of a lamb on their doorposts, and the death angel passed by. That's the Passover passed by, and God delivered them out of Egypt by his mighty hand. And every year, the Jewish people would celebrate this custom, this religious tradition to celebrate and to praise God and to thank God and to remember how he brought them out. And I find it interesting that while they were being faithful to this religious tradition, they lost Jesus. And there are many people who go to church faithfully. There are some of you here that you go to church faithfully. You sing songs, You worship, you lift a hand, you praise the Lord. And yet, in an area of your life, you're missing Jesus. It's easy to get so caught up in religious customs and religious traditions. It's so easy, like like Joseph and Mary, being faithful to a religious tradition, a religious custom, faithful to the Passover, and yet they left Jesus behind. And maybe that's your life today. You come to church, and yet in your marriage, you've left Jesus behind. He's not Lord. You don't consult his word on what to do and how to handle your marriage relationship. Maybe it's in your dating relationship, and you know you're not honoring God in that relationship. You know you're doing things you shouldn't do. Maybe you're dating a non-believer and you're trying to justify it. And Jesus is not in that area of your life. You're faithful to church. You, you sing the songs. You, you worship. But he's not, he's not. You're missing Jesus. Maybe it's in your parenting. And you don't consult God's word on how to raise your kids. You're not raising your kids in the fear of the Lord. You don't ever talk to them about spiritual things. You, you never pray with them. And yet you come to church and you sing the songs. But, but you're missing. You're missing Jesus. Maybe it's in your business in your workplace, and you show up late, and you leave early, and you steal the supplies, and you work half-heartedly, you don't do the best you can do, and yet you come to church, and you sing songs, you raise a hand, but in your workplace, when you give 40 and 50 hours a week, you're missing Jesus. Maybe it's in your financial life and Jesus is not invited into the area of your finance. You don't consult him about how to handle your financial life. You're, you're missing Jesus. And it's easy, it's easy to go through religious traditions and religious customs, and yet in your everyday life, in the way that you live, in the way that you talk, in the way that you think, in the way that you act, it's easy to be religious and still miss Jesus. There's a second thing that I want us to notice today, a second question about missing Jesus. Number two is this, why did they lose him? Why did they lose him? Number two, point two, they didn't know they lost him. They didn't know they lost him. Look with me back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 43. It says, after the feast was over, 
while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. They had no clue that Jesus stayed behind. They had no clue they were missing Jesus. Can I tell you, this is not any ordinary baby either. I mean, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they know it. This is the Son of God, the perfect child, the, 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 the Lamb of the world is going to pay the price of the, uh, for our sin. This is Jesus. I mean, I can just think about my baby. I, I mean, when I got four kids, every time we get ready to go, we got to do a head count. You know what I'm talking about? What? Four, we got them. We got them. Everybody got coats on. We got them. We got them. And they got one child, G, and they leave Jesus behind. Joseph and Mary were so caught up in what they were doing. They were so caught up in where they were going that they left Jesus behind. They got so distracted by, by what they were doing. They left the most important thing, Jesus Christ, behind. And I find it interesting. The interesting thing to me is this. They assumed that Jesus was with them. They went an entire day and they assumed, they assumed that Jesus was in their company. And friends, it's so easy, it's so easy that you can go an entire day, an entire month, an entire year, an entire decade and think Jesus is with you. And he's not. It's a scary thing to go an entire day and think Jesus is with you. Think Jesus is in an area of your life. And, and he's really, and he's really not. And friends, I submit to you today, it happens so subtly. It happens so gradually that, that you can be missing Jesus and not even know it. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. We must pay more careful attention to, to the gospel, to, to Jesus, to our spiritual life. Why, Herbert? Why do we need to pay more careful attention? Why in 2010 should we give attention to the gospel, to Jesus, to our spiritual life? Why? So that we do not drift away. You see, friends, when we quit paying attention, we get distracted. You see, the reason people drift away from Jesus is they get distracted. And that's what happened to Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they simply got distracted by the businesses of life. They got distracted by the religious customs. They got distracted by packing and planning for the trip back. They got distracted and they left Jesus behind. And you and I, we all know that it's easy for us to get distracted. Life is so busy. There's so much going on. It's easy to get distracted. I mean, you know there, there's work and for some there's school and there's family, the, the marriage and the kids. And there's friends, there's technology, there's, there, 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 there's extracurricular activities and, and, and there's problems and, and there's bills. And, and the list goes on. And on and on. And it's really easy for us to get distracted. Little by little by little. And we lose Jesus out of our life, out of an area of our life. It's easy. And then we don't even, and we keep 
on going and don't even realize Jesus is no longer priority. Maybe that's happened to you just gradually. Maybe over the years you've just gradually quit coming to church faithfully. Used to be a part of your life. Used to be a part of your routine. Used to be a part of your relationship with Christ. And just, I mean, gradually it's, it just slipped away. Maybe because you were chasing after money and Jesus was no longer the priority. Maybe it's just laziness and, you know, maybe, you know, how you work so hard 40, 50 hours a week and, man, Sunday's your day off and you think, I'm just going to sleep in. And, and you lose Jesus. And you don't even really realize it. Maybe it's in your daily prayer and Bible reading. You used to pray and you used to read your Bible. And, and, and you know what? When we get distracted, we can get distracted by good things. Not the best thing, but, but, but they're good things. You're not necessarily sinning when you got distracted, but you got distracted and, and you no longer pray and you no longer read your Bible. You no longer pay attention. You no longer give attention to your spirit. And, and you're just drifting subtly, slowly. And the next thing you know, you're going through life an entire day, an entire three days, an entire month, an entire decade. And you think Jesus is with you. And, and he's not. He's just gradually, subtle, that, that you leave Jesus behind and you don't even know it. Maybe it's, it's your lifestyle and you've been compromising it and you justify it. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. Well, it's kind of the popular, and, and, you, and you, you're leaving Jesus behind. There's a, a, a third question that I want us to look at today. The third question is this, how did they search for him? How did they search for him? Number three is they searched in familiar places, in familiar places. Look with me in Luke chapter 2 and verse 44. It says, thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Joseph and Mary, they searched for Jesus, the Bible says, amongst their relatives and, and friends. They, they searched for Jesus in a familiar place. Uh, if I could, they, they searched for Jesus in their comfort zone, in the area where they were comfortable. I mean, amongst family and friends, amongst the familiar, amongst the comfort zone, they began to search for Jesus. And the interesting thing is this, they, they searched for Jesus in their comfort zone, in a familiar place, and they didn't find him there. Friends, I, I tell you that you can't always find Jesus by staying in your comfort zone. And I want to challenge you today that in 2010, the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new decade, I challenge you to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of your familiar place so that you can find Jesus in a new way, in a fresh way, in a real way in 2010. Listen, sometimes you think I can just keep on doing what I've always, uh, always been doing and I'm going to get something different. That, that won't happen. You, at times, you got to leave your comfort zone. you got to leave. If you're going to find Jesus and make him a top priority, you can't always do what you've all, and continue to always do what you've always done. you got to leave your comfort zone so that you can experience Jesus. Leave your routine. Some, of, some friends, leave some habits. Leave the priorities that you had last year so that you can experience Jesus in a real way in 2010. It's, it's my desire that you would grow spiritually 
in 2010, that you would grow closer to God in 2010. What I want to do is show you here at People's Church how we want to help you grow spiritually and closer to God in 2010. Check out this baseball diamond. Here's our spiritual growth plan at People's Church. You say, do you have a plan to help people grow spiritually? Absolutely, yes. And here's the deal. For you to grow spiritually, you need to do all four of these at the same time, and you need to continue to do them. And I guarantee you this, you will grow spiritually. It's a baseball diamond, so we have first, second, third base, and then we have home plate. First base at People's Church is church attendance. And in 2010, if that has not been a part of your life in the past, it's very important that you make church a part of your life, that you're coming, corporate worship, worshiping, hearing the teaching of the Scripture, and, and fellowshipping with people, getting to know people. It's important that you are making church a part of your life. Matter of fact, the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Don't think that you can grow spiritually all by yourself. Change up some priorities, change up some habits, and make church a part of your life. You'll grow spiritually. It'll make a difference in your life spiritually. Number two is this. Second base at People's Church is daily prayer and Bible reading. You have a pen, you can just write down the word self-feeder. I call it being a self-feeder. You've got to learn to feed yourself. It's a great day that we live in that most of us have a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you one today absolutely free that you can have a copy of God's Word to read. And you have responsibility to grow spiritually that you're praying and that you read your Bible. You will not, you will not get everything you need by showing up for an hour, an hour and five minutes every Sunday. That, that, that won't be enough. You have to dig into God's Word yourself. You have to pray yourself. You have to grow closer to God yourself. That's so, so important that you're being a self-feeder. Some people say, preacher, you take me deeper, do everything. for." I can't listen. In my house, everybody that turns about two or three, they eat by themselves. Uh, you, some of you, uh, you're 62 and still want a bib, want me to feed you and burp you. Come on now, honey. Get into the Bible yourself. Pray yourself, grow, dig into this thing, get to know God, worship on your own. That's so important that, that, that you got daily prayer. If you want to grow spiritually, that's a key component. And, and, and we're going to give you a book today, absolutely free, that we put together, a daily Bible reading calendar, 2010. And inside of this, you'll see the baseball diamond, Wednesday night connection, community groups. It's all in here, some steps to help you grow spiritually. And then in, in this book, there's just every day what you need to read to get through the Bible in one year. Now, I realize you're 10 days behind, but you can make it up. Come on now. Huh? It's better that I gave it to you today and not in May. Amen. I could have gave it to you in May. We're going to hand this out to you. Preacher, I want to grow closer to God. I'm going to give you the tools. If you don't, it's on you. I'm going to do my, I'm going to give you the tools. You got to dig into God's word and pray for yourself. Then there's third base, serving in ministry. So key. So key. You know what oftentimes happens to Christians is we get a lot of be become fat Christians and we become self-centered and we only think about ourselves. And what happens is you gotta, you gotta give out. You gotta serve. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of God is those who can quote the backwards, frontwards and backwards. No! It's, it's the servant of all. We have servants' hearts and we would serve one another. You wanna grow spiritually? You gotta, you just can't take in, take in, consume, consume, me, 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 feed me, feed me, burp me, burp me, deeper, deeper, deeper. Listen! You're gonna make me throw up! You're constipated. you got to get some of this stuff out. Serve somebody. Help somebody. Teach somebody. Advance the local church. Come on. Get engaged. Get off the sideline. Get plugged in. Make a difference. If you're going to grow spirit, it's, it's key. I'm telling you, you're going to stagnate in your walk with God if you just sit on the side. You're going to stagnate. And you'll become critical. 
How many know constipated people get critical? How many know that? I'm just telling you how it works. Get constipated. You'll get critical. Community groups, home plate, if people just home plate. Community, you got to get plugged into a community group. You got to be growing spiritually with somebody. It's biblical. Small groups. Listen, in this size of church, you say, Herbert, this is a big church. It is. You say, well, Herbert, well, I like a small church, 100 people or so. Can I tell you, even in a church of 100, you don't know everybody. It's not key. It's the key is not that you need to know everybody. It's you need to know somebody. You need to know somebody who's a believer in this church, and you're growing spiritually with them, and you're connected with them, and you're studying God's word together with them, and they're caring for you, and you're caring for them. You're making a difference in their life. They're making a difference in your life. It, listen, it makes all the difference in the world. you got to get plugged in. You, got, you can't stay on the sideline if you want to grow spiritually, and we, we want to help you do that. We've got the event called Connect.me coming up next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Not only will this give you an opportunity to get plugged into a community group, listen, nobody's going to make you if you come and you don't connect and, you know, you meet some folks you're just not interested. No big deal. You can come back again. You can go to Wednesday Night Connection. There's so many different avenues to get plugged in. But this event will be fun. There's going to be games. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be cold stone, cold stone creamery ice cream and root beer floats. I mean, it's going to be a blast. Some comedy and fun. Come to this event. We want to help you get connected, help you build some friendships. On the back of this is the Wednesday Night Connection. And the Wednesday Night Connection, let, let me say this so you'll be clear. The Wednesday Night Connection is not the end goal. The end goal, home plate, is community groups. The Wednesday Night Connection is a point that you can come, study God's Word, get to know some people, and then we want to launch a community group with you. We want you to get out and get to know some folks and build some relationships. This is a great place to start as well. You can sign up here, men's group, women's group, Bible study, financial study. And we've tweaked this some uh, different from last semester to uh, make it even more inviting than last semester. So we're excited about this as well. We want to help you get connected, but you got to leave your comfort zone. Well, I pray to you know, I'm just a, I'm an introvert. So am I. Did you realize that? I'm going to tell you more about me next. I'm an introvert. You know, I don't like to be around people. Isn't that something? I pastor a big old church. don't like to be around people. I love people, but I, I, I am just, I, I, I work better by myself. I like to be isolated. By, I'm just that kind of person. Now, my wife, she's the life of the party. Amen. Now, I'll fake you now. You think I'll just, I'm the life of the party when you see me, but I'm not. Now, people drain me. You drain me. Amen. I love you, but you drain me. You drain me. I'm, I'm an introvert. But I'm in a small group. I need it. You need it. We all need it. We need accountability. We need it. We need it. We need it. You got to get plugged in. You got it. It's not optional. Some of you have asked pastor how to become a member. It's real easy. Right here is this card. It says membership slash serving card right here on this, on this yellow card. There's five things that you commit to. You commit to all five. Fill this card out. Check the box. I want to become a member. You're making a one-year commitment. You can read that. Fill that out today. Some of you say, Herbert, I'm not ready yet. I'm brand new to the church. I don't want to become a member yet. But I only want to serve in a ministry. Herbert, I want to, that third base, we talked about serving in a ministry. Herbert, I want to do that. I want to do that. Check the box. I want to serve in ministry. Fill your name and information out. On the back here, check which ministry that you want to serve in, and we'll get you plugged in to serving in a ministry. We're going to give you a call sometime this week. Now, here's the deal. Call us back. Everybody say amen. We're going to do everything we can to get you growing spiritually. But you have to do your part. Fill that out. Fill that out. Here's the deal. At the end of the experience, there'll be ushers at the door with offering buckets. Fill out those cards. Drop them in the offering bucket. The connect.me card, the, the membership card, the serving card. Fill that out. Drop it in the offering bucket at the doors, and we'll get you plugged in to growing spiritually. Leave your comfort zone. Leave the familiar so that you can grow spiritually in 2010. Number four, I close with this last question. How did they find him? How did they find him? Verse 4. They returned to the place they lost him. Returned to the place they lost him. Notice this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 45 and verse 46. 
when they did not find him in the familiar place amongst the relatives and friends, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. I say to some of you who have been followers of Christ and you've got distracted, I say to you today, go back to where you've lost Jesus. I don't know exactly where you lost him. I don't know in the activity, in the busyness of life, uh, dating the boy, dating the girl, the hustle and bustle, the kids, the activities. You're chasing your kids all around, and you don't have any time for church. You're, you're act- I mean, you're so busy, you're so caught up that you're losing focus on what really matters. Go back to where you lost Jesus and make Jesus a top priority in your life again. The scripture says this, Jesus said in Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4 through 5, notice what he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. That, that's some of you here today. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you used, you did at first, you used to do. Do, do the things you did at first. He simply says, go back to where you lost Jesus. Recapture your first love. Can I encourage you today? Would you go back? For some of you, it's going to be a first-time commitment. Herbert, I'm, I'm going to make Jesus the priority. I'm going to give him my life. I've been missing Jesus. I need him in my life. For some of you, it's going to be going back to where you lost him. Going back and saying, Jesus, I want you back in my life as a top priority. And can I tell you something interesting? The Bible says it took him three days. Three days, three days, three days to find him. Three days. In other words, they didn't pursue Jesus for one day and go, well, we didn't find him. Too bad. No, Joseph and Mary were committed. Can I tell you what I must have, what you must have to have Jesus as a top priority? We got to be committed. You got to be committed. This can't be some frivolous thing. This can't be something you just give a little attention to. This has to take focus. This takes your attention. Jesus, I want you. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be first. I want your top priority. I want church. I, w- I want to read my Bible and pray. I, I want to ser- serve and invest in others. I want to be in a small group. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be close to you. It takes your entire attention. So, Jesus, you're number one. And the Bible says, if you'll seek him, you will find him. Don't go another decade, another year by missing Jesus. Ushers, would you come? Can out the daily Bible reading plans. Please don't throw these away. Come on, make a commitment today to read your Bible, to pray. You can just begin to service and hand those out. Make a commitment. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome this time next year that you read your Bible all the way through because you made a commitment today? It's all about commitment. It's all about commitment. You made a commitment. You made a commitment. We're giving you all the tools to grow spiritually. Now it's up to you. We're telling you how you grow spiritually. It's up to you. Come on. You can do this. Come on. I want you in 2010 to win and to win big time. Come on. The game of life. Win big time in your spiritual life in 2000. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win in 2010. You are going to win.